0: I never try anything. I just do it. Like I don't beat clocks. Just people. Eat the Oh, Men's. No, the mess. Set up my spinning wheel, girls. I'll join the hair section in a minute. What do you mean by that, mate? It's always from New Zealand, and you never, I repeat, never call a Kiwi Aussie. That
1: is, unless you want to ask it. Bastard! Bastard! Where is my mother? Are you crazy? Where is she? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? God, Phil, I feel like a crime is about to be committed. This is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher!
0: Welcome to sinus Sirens episode four. Where today we're going to be talking about Modesty Blaze and Cast a Dark Shadow. So this is our Dirk Bogard special.
1: Double Dirk. Double <laughs> Dirk.
0: <laughs> so I am Shelly Grant, co-host of this podcast, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Andrea Canales. Oh, it also. <laughs> also the co-host of this podcast. So we've established that we're co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> So It's been a while. We're a little yes. out of practice. So oh, those of you that have listened to us, thank you so much. Uh, so what we do here at Cinema Sirens, uh, Andrea and I are both cinephiles, but uh, as we know, there's lots of movies available out there and there's no way we've seen everything. So we uh, take some time and challenge each other to watch things that the other has not seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just uh, both have a love of Dirk Bogard so we challenged each other to watch these movies so Modesty Blaze is one of Andrea's favorites and um, so I watched it and Cast a Dark Shadow is a recent discovery I made and I had Andrea watched and we enjoyed it so but before we delve into those two things we're going to talk about some things that have our twats twitching right now so Andrea what has your twat twitching
1: Well, it's that time of the year where my twat twitches. We're at uh, the Arizona State Fair, which I love to go to as much as I can. And to tie in beautifully with that, Agfa has just done an amazing restoration of the film She Freak from 1967. There
0: are only two kinds of freaks, ladies and gentlemen. Those created by God and those made by man. Who the hell do you think you
1: are, anyway? I know who I am.
0: You're about to behold a sight so strange, so horrifying, so utterly monstrous.
1: This little girl knows what
0: she wants and is going to get it
1: directed by Byron Mabe and produced by David F. Friedman. And it, it's just, a film like that should not look this good. Like, it just <laughs> looks stunning. The restoration is just insane. I know that it was formerly a title available on Something Weird, and Egva um, has just done an amazing job on it. And it's a very simple story, and a lot of the film um, is taken up by... Just uh, operational shots of people building and dismantling a carnival. <laughs> so if you like that kind of stuff, which I do, uh, it's pretty great from the 60s. And um, you get very, the, you have to sit through a lot for uh, the payoff at the end, mm-hmm. but um, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And if you like that kind of vintage side of carnival life and um kind of like yeah vintage Americana it's Mm -hmm. really fun to watch and then also go to to the state fair and then something else I've been checking out is uh season three of Dr. Death the podcast so I haven't watched any of the um series but uh season three was Miracle Man based on Dr. Paolo Macarini And um, it was pretty interesting. I feel like compared to the other two seasons, this doctor wasn't as gruesome, (laughs) maybe. He was really great at deception. And um, the story is really interesting because um, it's told by his former partner who worked for So she's a journalist herself. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of time with her and her experience. So it was kind of an interesting take for that series of podcasts. Yeah, it wasn't as... um, i guess disturb, it's definitely there are disturbing elements but not as disturbing as the the prior to mm, but I, okay. I i thought it was good though yeah i did enjoy it i always um i like the podcast that they produce
0: on because i believe it's on Wondery. it's wandry. yeah yeah laundry do. does a really nice job yeah so um but that, that's what has my twitching. twitch and how about you shelly all right that's excellent well um By the time this airs, this has been out for a while, but I really enjoyed um, Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Um, Mike Flanagan, of course, uh, gave us Oculus and Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor and uh, Gerald's Game. So he's just kind of done a lot um, recently here on uh, Netflix. And this was a passion project of his um, that he originally, I think... um, I read he did a really great um, essay on bloody mm. that talked about the importance of midnight mass to him. And I believe he says in that article when he um, originally pitched his idea or was pitching to Netflix to start making things. This is what he pitched and mm. they passed on it and several other places passed on it. And now he's built up enough success in cachet. He was able to do this. And this is a an isolated island community. Um that begins to experience miracles mm. upon this arrival of a young priest, and um, there's elements of the prodigal son coming home. Uh, there's another another character that's been away for a while, and now it's come home, and so it, it it really mixes in those things that I enjoy, which is religion and faith, and the nature of blind faith, and mm. then what happens in this isolated community when they um, perceive these things to be happening and how do they handle that? And it was just really well done. It was one of those, I, I try not to binge stuff. I want to sort of enjoy things. (laughs) Yeah. But this was just so well done with just these amazing performances all around, um, that I just was right into it. Um, Kate Siegel who is Mike Flanagan's wife. She's one of the main characters, but we also have, um, Kristen Lehman, Raul Coley, who is was in um, Haunting of Blind Manor. Um, Annabeth Gish is in the show. Like, there's just a lot of, he works a lot with the same actors, which mm, is nice. But then cool. brought in some new ones and stuff. And so it's just really well done, really beautiful. Um, so I'm, I just, now I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of his for a long time. But now I'll just watch whatever he makes because mm-hmm. he's just really uh can tell a really great story so um I highly recommend that and like I said I'm a little um this has been out for a little bit so I'm sure people have found it but um if you haven't this is definitely worth a watch and I favor this more there's Hell House has its big fans Bly Manor has its big fans this is definitely my favorite of everything he's done it just Mm -hmm. feels like his magnum opus former uh international horror and sci-fi film uh, festival
1: alumni and mm-hmm. and mixing our episode today, we have the festival director Monty Yazi.
0: Yes, thank you, Yon- uh, Monty Yanti Yon- Yanti. Thanks for being here. Yon-ty. So sorry, Monty. I'll be <laughs> I'll be, be Yanti for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, yes, oh, well, excellent. That that sounds
1: like uh, it would make your twat twitchy. and um, well shall we start with uh, my film my pick for you yes please <laughs> <laughs> i will spare you my singing of the uh, theme song of modesty <laughs> blaze although it's ridiculously catchy <laughs> yes it is <laughs>
0: A shadow on your bedroom
1: wall she is the dream you never found but then you'll find no time to dream at all whenever modesty's around modesty
0: modesty she'll strike you dumb with just a single
1: but uh modesty blaze comes to us from 1966 um currently the blu-ray that we watched uh mm-hmm. is by kino Lorber. Um one thing that shelly and i <laughs> lamented <laughs> about the blu-ray is that it doesn't have captions which would be really useful it would be because <laughs> there's a lot of different accents going mm-hmm. on within the film and it would make it really uh, useful but um Directed by the bold and visionary Joseph Losey, who also directed The Servant from 1963 mm-hmm. and The Boy with the Green Hair, which is really weird, mm-hmm. uh, from 1948. But among that's with Dean Stockwell. Like oh, little really? baby little Dean Beast? Stockwell oh is gosh.
0: in The Boy with oh, Green Hair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, our fa- well, I'm going to say our favorites because I, I know Shelley enjoys <laughs> these films too. Um, uh, Boom from 1968 yes. with Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. And also starring Elizabeth Taylor's Secret Ceremony from, also from 1968. Yeah. Are they both from 1968? Did I make a typo? I think so. <laughs> That's really close. But it yeah. doesn't surprise me. Um, and they're just both re- amazing, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, secret Ceremony is super disturbing. Yes. Uh, and Boom is just crazy and campy and amazing. Yeah, no, those are both from 1968. 68? okay okay. Yeah. Um, he was American-born and... Mm-hmm. Um, But he made most of the films of the latter part of his career. He uh, filmed in England after he exiled himself rather than testifying before the House of Un American Activities Committee. So you go, Joseph.
0: Just, you go exile
1: yourself. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you do <It's> that. <like>, ah, <laughs> I'm just going to get out of here. Don't let me make films in England, right? Yeah. yeah. Be good. Be good. Um, take good. Taken
1: from uh, Peter O'Donnell and Jim Holdaway's comic books, um, The Modesty Blaze comic books, and um, basically was kind of 20th Century Fox trying to cash in on the Bond craze. Mm-hmm. Um, and around that time, there's, I really do love that time of filmmaking, Within 20th Century Fox, like they just went out there and made some really wacky stuff Um, like Fathom from -hmm. 1967 starring Mm -hmm. Raquel Welch. And then um, there's another one also uh, featuring really horrible uh, stereotypes of Arabic people is um, John Goldfarb, Please Come Home, starring Shirley MacLaine. Um, And then they did Our Man Flint and Light Flint. Um, so they were definitely trying to, yeah, cash in on the whole spy uh, espionage, uh, not superhero, but you know, superhuman. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <funny. laughs> um, so modesty blaze was, yeah, one property that they tried to to do that with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna just do the plot is really not important. Nope, <laughs> it's really hard to follow. It's convoluted. So I'll just Mm -hmm. give you like a little bite and then we can kind of like go through the film and talk about it a bit more. Um, So starring Monica Vitti, who I adore. um, It's her first English speaking role as a titular modesty blaze. She's a secret agent who's hair, color, hairstyle and mod clothing change at the snap of her fingers. So she's being used by the British government as a decoy in an effort to thwart a diamond heist. um, So she's being set up by the feds, but she's wise to the plot. So, she calls in her psychic Willie Garvin, mm-hmm. um, who a delightful uh, performance from Terence Stamp and a few other friends to outsmart them. Uh, meanwhile, at his island hideaway, Gabriel, which is Sir Dirk, mm-hmm. uh, the Diamond Thief has his own plans for Blaze and Garvin.
0: Yeah, We and I have been through some scrapes together, have we? Funny how we always survived, didn't it? Survived. Each other? Well, we shared the fights. But never shared the nights. Perhaps we should have. We could have. At Covent Garden, for Trovatore, we were shot at in the (coughs) stalls. They all believed it was in the story. And we took nine curtain calls. Perhaps eight would have been enough. We've shared the thrills. We've even shared two kills. But such a perfect pair should surely share a bedroom. You know, it's cheaper too. It ain't. The other summer in Arizona... I was.
1: So to um, to it's, that's kind of, <laughs> the way that the, the film plays out Um, is, yeah, as I said, a little convoluted mm-hmm. and confusing. It's, for me, the, the enjoyment comes from um, the performance from VD, uh, from Monica Vitti and uh, Terence Stamp, and then just the amazing production design, uh, set design um, of the film, and then also the theme song by John Dankworth. It's a really catchy. Uh, uh, has a really catchy soundtrack. Um, makes you yeah, it does make you want to kind of like sing along, and um, is the perfect accompaniment for the the visuals on screen. So uh, Shelley, what did what did you think about? Old Modesty plays.
0: This was, uh, I had a lot of fun with this. I was was a little, as we've already mentioned, I was a little frustrated because since I didn't have subtitles, I was kind of having some trouble Mm -hmm. following what was happening because, yeah, it's just so many different accents. And then, like you said, the plot is a bit convoluted. So it was hard to kind of hang in there (laughs) with with some of the threads. But um, I just thought stylistically, like I loved those sort of mod 60s, colors and mm-hmm. the rooms that sort of had that um very uh, like it just messed with your eyes some of the color schemes like all the stuff. crazy geometric yeah, patterns yes, and everything yes. yeah <laughs> and um you know this is like you said it kind of plays into the James Bond stereotypes but really leaning into some of the campiness of the tech which of course is then our precursor before Austin Powers right. later in mm-hmm. the 90s but um, because, yeah, she does have this tech and, like, she can change at the snap of her fingers and stuff. So there's, like, the scene where somebody's like, oh, I thought you were a brunette when she's blonde. And right. she goes, oh, and then it, like, cuts ding. back to her. Ding! And she's got, you know, she's a brunette. And, um, just some of the costuming, like, we've talked about. Like, she had that big sort of cone It looked like she's a deep sea diver <laughs> dress. And then, like, it opens up and just is this huge collar and there's a lot of collars <laughs> and there's a lot of collars uh just like dynasty in the 80s had shoulder pads this has got collars um so I just had fun with with the visual aspects of it and um you know just the the costumes the, there's a really great chemistry between VD and Terrence Stamp as you know with her and him and he being her sidekick and um I really, lo- like, I just laughed out loud when we first meet Sir Dirk, and he's wearing these little <laughs> tiny reading glasses. Like, I, I'm like, how does that even help? That can't help anything. You can't see. I don't, yeah. I don't think you can see anything through Yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just so, so small. Um, but it was just, it, it, you know, just so, so fun. But, yeah, he's got these teeny tiny eyeglasses, and then he has, like, this giant wine glass that looks like it's filled <laughs> with grape Kool-Aid. And... <laughs> <laughs>
1: they had way too much fun with the props and the costumes. Yeah, oh for on this sure, film. <laughs> for
0: sure. And just like you said, and then they break out randomly into songs.
1: Yes, yeah, which is quite delightful. And, They're both singing off key. Uh, yeah, modesty and, uh, and, and, and Willie. Willie, <laughs> we should
0: we should be together, or should yes, we? Or should, and, or should we? Should <laughs> um, we? And so it was fun to see Terrence Stamp being. Sort of silly and and hammy because, you know, I tend to think of him as just more scary and serious and and the stuff he shows up in. So it's fun to uh, go back and take a look and see him Mm -hmm. being sort of sort of the silly sidekick uh, for this.
1: We have to talk about so the villains in the film, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Dirk Bogard, mm-hmm. beloved Dirk, uh, who is just like chewing the scenery as he's oh, having a blast. He's yeah. yeah. having I mean, way too much fun.
0: Monica Vitti plays Modesty, the heroine. Terrence Stamp plays the hero. Don't let it get cold. And Dirk Bogard. I'm the villain of the piece, and I have to condemn you to death. From the immortal pages of Peter O'Donnell's comic strip, 20th Century Fox brings to the screen Modesty Blaze. Modesty Blaze, the female answer to Julius Caesar, Genghis Khan, and those others who burn cities to save civilization.
1: As he's definitely queer-coded, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, character. And his sidekick is played by uh, Clive Reville, who actually has two roles in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also in Fathom, which I mentioned before. But he plays uh, McWurter, who is his Scottish – who is Gabriel's Scottish uh, accountant and bookkeeper. Right. And who's – Following Gabriel around everywhere with like a ledger book or just scribbling numbers and
0: just like talking about, you know. As an accountant by trade, that's what I do. (laughs) That's like you just follow people around. I just follow people around with a ledger and write down numbers. So, (laughs) and saying that (laughs) the lobster's too expensive. The lobster's way too expensive, but the giant glass of Kool Aid's fine. That's fine. Yeah.
1: And he also has um, a role as Sheikh Abu Tahir, who um, uh, that's a bit wacky, you know. A little bit of brown face going on there. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. And um, even stranger is uh, that the sheikh calls Modesty his daughter, but his son. His son. His yeah. son, who's
0: actually <laughs> his daughter, because I guess yeah. he couldn't have any. I don't really know the reason. Daughters, that. or maybe because she Lesser. is sort of in this masculine job that right. he treats her as like a, a like he would one of his sons <laughs> I, don't, I don't know it's very who knows who
1: knows Who knows? we have uh Rosella Falk as uh Clara Fothergill who um is essentially a psychopathic a bodyguard for Gabriel mm-hmm. and likes to torture mm-hmm. people but she has her her manservant that follows her around and she toys with him but she lo- uh she there's a really funny scene where she um there's a mime who they've captured who's part of the, the plan because, <laughs> you know, throw a mime in and um, who she yeah, beats at a kind of a wrestling thing. The whole the set, the scene, the island or the island castle there looks so much like the setting for Boom. Mm-hmm. I think Losi just had like a thing for beautiful Mediterranean uh, oh, locations yeah which totally get <laughs> um but yes the villains are a lot of fun they have this amazing um island uh, lair with um yes exactly what Shelley was talking about before mm-hmm. a, a rooms with uh crazy geometric patterns mm-hmm. and um lots of uh fun props yeah like giant giant long stemmed wine yeah <laughs> And lots of goofy stuff like that. Um yeah, the problem it's, you know, as uh as Disney would say, <laughs> uh, there's some outdated cultural depictions in the film. A few. <laughs> A few. <laughs> so those are um haven't really aged that well. Um the yeah, representation of the Arabs and then of the um of her uh butler as well. Mm-hmm. I believe his name is his name is uh Wing um so those are a little problematic but um yeah Dirk Bogart just for me he's he, he's just having so much fun with this role mm-hmm. and you know we um known as someone well you have a you have some nice history on Dirk did you want to kind of talk a little bit about yeah
0: him? he um well first he made five films with Lucy altogether. so it's they really uh, interesting yeah they um wrote or did a lot of things together so starting in 1954 with The Sleeping Tiger 1963 The Servant uh, King and Country in 1964 which Bogard said that was his personal favorite of his films that he made Modesty Blaze in 66 and then Accident in 1967 are the films he made with um Losey and uh he did have sort of um From what I was finding, it seems like a complicated relationship with his fame um, because he was originally touted to be the British Rock Hudson. He was very uh, and just incredibly handsome and charming and just had sort of that um, movie idol charisma. Mm -hmm. When We think of some of those older movie stars, Um, but he did not want to play that game very well. So he very rarely granted interviews. He very rarely did. any sort of press. He the studio originally wanted him to go into an arranged marriage to kind of put at bay the 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 rumors Rubens, that right. he was homosexual, which he was. Right. Um and which is what Hudson had done right in, early in his studio career that he married one of the secretaries mm-hmm. and she was paid off for be basically, you know, being his wife and, you know, keeping those speculations away. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's some speculation that um, because he was so similar to some other popular actors at that time, such as Montgomery Clift and Anthony Perkins, um, that that's sort of really sort of what kept him also from becoming a bigger Mm -hmm. success, that they were all sort of vying for some of these um, same roles. And it's interesting that all of those actors I just mentioned that he was compared to were also, Okay.
1: isn't that the parallels are really mm-hmm. interesting yeah
0: yeah um so uh he began to um i think it, it just seems like from from what i had been reading about him he definitely it seems like he definitely took the roles that interested him right. and that's what he wanted to do so he wasn't necessarily playing this game of being an actor i Mm -hmm. did see somewhere and unfortunately i didn't put it in my notes he did have some sort of falling out with losi during um
1: i was trying to find out about that okay yeah
0: during the last last film Mm -hmm. um accident from 1967 so i'm not sure sort of beyond that then what happened because Mm -hmm. they had such a great almost you know over a decade-long partnership where they were working together right um So it is interesting, but he definitely is an interesting actor who made some very, and I'll um, talk about those a bit later, but yeah, he just made some interesting choices. But of all of them, Modesty Blaze, he's definitely having the most fun right with it (laughs) because everything else you see with him he's pretty serious and they're very heavy serious roles right um but this he's just definitely enjoying sort of the campiness of it all and just leaning into to the fun
1: which is great it really yeah it's really obvious you know like how much fun he's having with it Mm -hmm. it's i think monica Vitti is a really i love her she's a really into interesting choice on mm-hmm. their behalf to play modesty blaze and from my research i saw um one thing that people were commenting on is that um she's not true the character that losi created was not super faithful to the original material mm-hmm. um because once you think about it, she does have like a few gadgets and stuff but she just does like a lot of costume changes Mm -hmm. and gets, gets tied up a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. Like she's not as, um, I guess well-versed in like certain things that you would expect a, um, a uh, secret agent, agent. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well because especially the opening scene sort of sets you up you know she's on that bed and she has sort of the tech around her mm-hmm. with the phone fu- you kind of think yeah the gadgets are going to be a thing and right. then it was almost like they kind of forgot about them
1: yeah <laughs> yeah like they use a few of them right mm-hmm. yeah and then but yeah there's a lot of um a lot of the time she's just kind of like getting into certain situations <laughs> and yeah. then trying to find her way out escaping um so yeah I thought that was pretty interesting and I guess um I, in my research I found that Lucy found it difficult to work mm-hmm. with me at times because she would be accompanied onto the set by Michelangelo Antonioni mm-hmm. um who made her famous in his mm-hmm. films and he would kind of be like whispering right. <laughs> suggestions to her while uh, taking her attention away from what Lucy was uh, trying the direction that he was trying to, you know, work with her. And so, um yes, I believe in the end that they came to an agreement, and uh, Antonioni was no longer coming to the coming set to, <laughs> <set> to kind <laughs> of give help, his two cents. Help her along. <laughs> um But yeah, it, it does have a really fun trajectory, although, if, yeah, a little bit confusing. Like, it took me a while to kind of figure out the whole <laughs> the whole plot and what was really going on but essentially yeah you just have to know that she's being set up and um she's gonna encounter all these fun characters throughout the way with lots of uh lots of uh fun set pieces mm-hmm. and um, performances that are really camp so
0: did you did you you did enjoy it overall? i did enjoy it. Yeah. like overall i just thought it was really fun i do you know hopefully we'll get some version of this with subtitles because I do want to watch it again because mm-hmm. there was it, it it was just very nice and just a lot of I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Well yeah. Gosh,
0: so good good choice.
1: <laughs> so that's Modesty Blaze from 1966. I don't know that it's streaming anywhere. Um <laughs> there might be a version on YouTube uh that you can <laughs> check out. Uh but otherwise Kino Loba has a really nice
0: Blu-ray Sans captions. All right, well, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll delve into our next movie. And so now the next movie we're going to talk about is Cast a Dark Shadow from 1955. Eddie, get off the magic carpet. Let's go for a ride. All right, money. Where do you want to go to tonight, then, eh? I noticed your wedding ring. As a matter of fact, I'm a widow. This is Monnie's chair. Imagine her sitting there, talking to me.
1: Oh, I felt suddenly cold.
0: They won't be bearing you for a long time yet. Not if you're a good girl. <laughs> Mr. and <laughs> Mrs. Edward Bear? My money's my own. It stays that way. Get that into your head once and for all. Mrs. Mrs. Bear? No one could ever prove that you did it. Had a sort of premonition. Of what? Someone's gonna die. And I really enjoyed this one. This is sort of a murder mystery uh, from 1955. Uh, directed by lewis gilbert who also directed alfie educating rita and moonraker and some of the campier james bond uh (laughs) roger moore films so like we just uh talked about with modesty blaze there's (laughs) we've got some campiness continuing on here um but this one and we're going to discuss some spoilers so i do encourage you if you don't want to know the twist to this please uh Sorry, Monty, if you haven't seen this one, uh, <laughs> uh, if you to go back and watch this and then come back and, and listen in, because, like I said, we are going to talk about some spoilers. But this is um, a very early ro- role for Bogard. So mm. you definitely see sort of that, um, as I mentioned earlier, sort of the comparison to the very early uh, American heartthrobs of Monty Cliff and uh Brock Hudson, he is very handsome and charming in this movie. Ridiculously charming. Yes. Um, And this uh, movie. Yes. Yes. uh, Is based on a play uh, called Murder Mistaken by Janet Green. And he plays Edward Teddy Bear. Mm -hmm. And Teddy Bear, as his wife affectionately calls him, um, he has a habit of marrying older women. (laughs) And then when they die and he gets their inheritance, he's like, oh, well, now I can travel and maybe find somebody else to marry. (laughs) I can do fun stuff. Yes, but uh, dear Teddy finds himself in a bit of a pickle after uh, Monica or Moni, as he affectionately calls her, uh, dies and discovers that she didn't leave her fortune to him. But to her sister, with whom she has been estranged for over twenty years, so scrambling to figure out how to maintain his lavish lifestyle uh, that he is now used to, he has to figure out how to sort of convince people that he needs the inheritance. And along the way, he meets Frida, played by the delightful Margaret Lockwood. Dies in a fearful accident. My second commits suicide. Lovely. I'm watching you all the time. The jury said it was accidental death. I know what I've done. I've got my money. If further information comes to light, the case can be reopened. You
1: know, if he'd had any more wives, I'd have had to sleep in the bathroom.
0: (laughs) It's good to have a friend to call on, Charlotte. Very dangerous gossip. How much do they have to be cheerful about, Emmy? Thousands and thousands of pounds. Had a sort of premonition. Edward! Someone's going to die. Who I just love this character uh-huh. because she so is. So sassy mm-hmm. and deadpan that every time she talked in this movie, I just started laughing. <laughs> um, like she just had some great one-liners. Like she tells Teddy, she's like, oh, we buried poor Albert, her previous husband, six months ago. And uh, Teddy says, well, what was wrong with him? He was dead.
1: <laughs>
0: so why else would you bury why? a person? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> so she just uh, really just made this enjoyable, even sort of with the 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 um, the mystery that's going on and and how Teddy, whom you know, um, he is responsible for Monica's death. Like, is he going to get away with this? Right. And and how is this? Because you have uh, Robert Fleming, who plays Philip, who is the lawyer, who suspects Teddy foul play is yeah. is <laughs> is uh, killed, poor Monty, but doesn't quite know how to prove it, can't prove it. It's been ruled a suicide within the courts, and or an accidental death. Sorry, not Mm -hmm. a suicide, Mm -hmm. that it was an accidental death. And um, so, Andrea, what did you think of this one? Oh, man,
1: I loved it. Yeah, Dirk is, as you said, delicious. Mm -hmm. And um, he's such a scumbag in this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like a total scumbag, but so delightfully charming (laughs) while he's doing it but the the person who made it for me was um yeah Margaret Lockwood Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. Frida I was I was just really surprised at that character for the time you know I Mm -hmm. was just I was surprised at how um exactly deadpan and how assertive she was Mm -hmm. and she's not going to let uh Teddy kind of um she's on to him and, she, right. and she's playing the game as well, you know, and um, she's very calculating as well. Like, because you get the impression that she also married her husband for money because she talks about how mm-hmm. she was like a waitress um, at a bar and stuff. And at one point like, when they have um, a party, you know, she can open up a, a beer for the, yeah. <laughs> the fellow guest or champagne right. or whatever it is. But um, yeah, so she's they, uh, the, her, Teddy and, and Frida have both come from like working class backgrounds and married into great fortunes. And she's not about to let him get away with, um, her fortune, you
0: know? Right. And I think, yeah, Teddy kind of meets his match in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. in this because she knows what he is. And she even has that line where she says, you may not be much of a catch, but I, so help me, I love you. Right. So she really has fallen in love with him yes. even though yeah. she knows he is a nefarious character and that he has done these unsavory things. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a kinship between them that she understands why he did those things because maybe those are the things she also did. Right, right. Uh to get where she is because it's that uh, I've been poor too and I'm mm-hmm. not going back there. Yeah,
1: no, definitely. She's she's hanging on to her, her, her right her, her, her uh Luxuries and um, yeah, right. so I loved it. It was, it's a really for character, you know, like the performances are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's great, like um, uh, Moni, yeah, Mona Washburn, yeah. who plays uh, Moni is uh, just
0: really sweet and delightful. She is very sweet, and it's sad because you can kind of see what is happening, yeah, that she's been charmed by this man, and then you know, man. and she. Believes wholeheartedly that he does love her, right. and I think in a way he does, but also he loves the the money that and, she had, yeah, more. <laughs> and um, you know, so when, so it's very sad mm-hmm. when she does pass away because you can kind of see the beach. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know that she is not long <laughs> for the world, and um, and it, and just sort of how he kind of runs the so that's why he doesn't like the lawyer because philip is definitely on to him as well yeah uh but then they have that silly maid uh emmy emmy paid by kathleen harris who was sort of
1: yeah yeah you know they're so just oh god they treat her so poorly
0: (laughs) oh they're so mean to her even frida like when frida is sort of like at the end of the film when they're trying to leave yeah and she's trying to get emmy to go with her <laughs> and you know and Emmy's like i'll get carsick and she's like well you're older now you're strom- your stomach's stronger <laughs> <laughs> oh, because and emmy's being a baby she doesn't oh, leave oh she's being such a baby yeah she she's like be. i don't want to leave and like but then you know like he's taking advantage of emmy because uh, Monty did leave her some money right And then Philip finds out that Emmy is allowed for Teddy to sort of control the account. Right. And she's like, oh, he just gives me money when I need it, you know, because she sort of has no agency to deal with that (laughs) on her own. (laughs) Um, And then we're introduced also, and I have failed to mention at this point, uh, Kay Walsh, Walsh as Charlotte Young, who is a woman who... Comes within uh, Freddie and Teddy's lives, and Teddy kind of gets his sight on her because she is also a, a wealthy wealthy widow. Widow. So he was like, "Well, he's beginning to see that Frida is kind of on to him, yeah, and that it's not going to last very long." So exactly. he's kind of getting his other pony out of the stable to start riding, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so, but then uh, we find out that charlotte is uh Monty's sister yes. who the money has been left to and so she's trying to expose teddy and what he has done and she's great and but, she's yeah. really great in this um uh Kay walsh who was also in let me look her up real quick because she was very familiar and i didn't shame on me i didn't put it in my notes oh she was in oliver twist and uh the horse's mouth, which I'm not familiar with, but Mm-mm. she's definitely somebody like when you see her, you would know her from from older films. Um, and so, yeah, she has uh, kind of also figured out maybe what Teddy is working on. She's working with Philip on this. So they're kind of setting up this trap, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for Teddy while Teddy's trying to set up his own trap. And I thought things I was f- not go well.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised that with the 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 female characters in this film um yeah particularly uh charlotte and frida have mm-hmm. both have although frida has um the weakness where she does fall for teddy you mm-hmm. know she really mm-hmm. does love and care for him um but they both have so much agency and uh towards the end where there's kind of like a show showdown essentially right. between teddy and charlotte she's like daring him to like you know, hit me, kill me kind of yeah. a thing. And it's very yeah. powerful. Yeah, yeah. she She's very assertive and doesn't back down. And her performance and the characters, yeah, it's really interesting. Quite progressive, I
0: think, for the time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because they are both, um, like you said, Frida is kind of in this position of, like, she knows what he is, but then she loves him. So mm-hmm. she's not fully willing to stand up against him, but but the Charlotte character is the Charlotte character, you know, is, is very much seeking vengeance Mm -hmm. for her sister. And, um, that, yeah, that sort of showdown when he's sort of just, you know, it's so, um, such a trope now, but when he just sort of tells everything that he's ever done, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and he's just like, Oh, you know, just has to brag about all this. And then of course, you know, Philip shows up and, has heard all of this so right. now they have sort of
1: the evidence this evidence eat. and yeah. proof
0: that that teddy has been um a murderer right. this whole time and then sort of in the um the way these things go he gets away and you think he's getting away right and he drives off in that car and of course they've kind of set you up for this all through the movie that like they're next to a cliff and so there's like <laughs> sort of the turn that was like danger curves ahead right and, um He had talked about how he was going to kill Charlotte by cutting the brake lines and stuff. So there is sort of these hints along the way of what's going to happen. And then you yeah, find out at the end of the movie he's driving off you think he's gonna get away right and he has also had this big speech how he cut the brake lines in yes. charlotte's car exactly. and then he looks over and he sees her purse he's like, sitting on the seat no. he realized it yeah <laughs> and he's coming up upon that danger curves around ahead so uh much like in those hayes code error movies the, of course the villain, the villain has to die yes exactly has to have some sort of comeuppance but um this was just a, a a a super super fun one. And uh I think just a nice little murder mystery. Oh, it's yeah. like it's just under an hour and a half long, yeah. so the pacing of it is really good and quick and And the black and white, the cinematography mm-hmm. is really great. Like
1: um yeah, it's re- and the performances are just all so solid.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very very enjoyable. Yeah, I really uh really enjoyed this one. This was a nice um Find this was one I had just sort of stumbled upon, and then when we realized we were going to do Modesty Blaze, I'm like, okay, double dirk, uh, double dirk. Here we go. <laughs> All right, any. Final thoughts?
1: No, I'm, I'm just glad you introduced that to me. And it's streaming currently on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are ads, but it's definitely worth it. And I think yeah, you can purchase sure. it from Prime, too. So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And this one's definitely worth uh, checking out. And like I said, it's not a huge investment of your time because right. it is just well-paced and very quick. And, um like you said, I just, I really enjoyed sort of the, there's a lot of really great dialogue in this film and there's oh, a yeah. tenseness Frida. to it. Like the character, her dialogue's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it is these women in danger, but then you have these two very strong women mm-hmm. who are willing to to stand up for this, which I don't think Teddy was fully expecting. Right. Exactly. He's been so used to sort of. Being able to get away with. Has <laughs> been able to get away with this for a long time, as we find out during his. Uh, right. You're a sly dog. You got me monologuing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Now we are to our marvelous Muffin Wiener segment. I have a little bit, I have a few notes. Oh, okay. Both films
1: have a lot of, Modesty, (laughs)
0: sorry,
1: Um, nothing close to nudity in dark Shadow, right? Oh no, unfortunately, not even
0: a, (laughs) not even a hint, not even a shirt unbuttoned. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: true. (laughs) But um, in Modesty Blaze, you know, there's a few. Yeah, there's definitely you don't see any muffins or wieners, but you know, there's a little bit of nudity with a topless Terrence Stamp. He's wearing that ridiculous gold lame wrap at one point, (laughs) and uh, various states of undress for. Uh, Modesty Blaze, like mm-hmm. Vini. She's she, there's one really fun scene where she's talking to Gabriel who's like sitting out in a boat in the Mediterranean. And she he's she doesn't have you're, you're seeing her from the back and she's topless, you know. Mm-hmm. And then but then she like gets a marker and like draws a, the line of a shirt on her, yeah. side. right? <laughs> she's like wearing something, so it's it's pretty fun. But yes, no, uh, no marvelous muffins and weeners, no, a little so bit
0: good. of side boob. Oh, maybe some side boob. Maybe some side boob in there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as we close out, what uh, would have your twat tingling? Oh, my goodness. Lamb. I want to see Lamb.
1: I want to see the movie Lamb. But I I'm do. a little nervous because I have a hitch. I love lambs. Like, I really oh. love lambs. Um, like, for a period of time, uh, in my teens, we were living with my grandfather, who was is a was a farmer, and um, of course, you know he had he would keep a, a few sheep around. And one season, there was this adorable little lamb called James. And um, you know we, we weren't really allowed to keep them as like pets and stuff right. like that. But I would be I would be able to feed him and and stuff like that. And I really liked James the lamb. But one Sunday evening, it was uh, I found out that we were eating James <gasps> the lamb. <laughs> Oh, no. Yes, so I have a connection with Lance, so I'm like, I don't want to, I'm like, I really want to see the film, but I'm like, kind of nervous that it might be really sad. It might
0: uh, be a bit traumatizing. Traumatizing.
1: Um, And then I'm really excited for the new book. Uh, Warped and faded, Weird Wednesday, and the Birth of the American Genre Film mm-hmm. Archive by Lars Nielsen, um, and then edited by Kayla Janice. Um, I'm really excited. Yes, the book tells the story of the Wild West Days of Weird Wednesday film series and the American Genre Film Archive and the words of the people who were there. So that's totally within my wheelhouse. Um, I'm yeah. really excited for for that book. So you can pre-order it now, purchase now uh, online. So yeah, I, I'm. I'm I'm definitely going to get that one. So, yeah.
0: Right. What has your twat tingling, Shelley? We? Well, continuing with our Dirk theme, I have a couple of recommendations. Um, he's in a film from 1961 called uh, Victim. What thread of strange emotion puts this brilliantly successful barrister on the wrong side of the law? Well, if you dig this over, it could any one hell of a scandal. And it wouldn't only be you who came down. Fear is the oxygen of blackmail. Barrett was paying others are find me one. What crime links him with this frightened boy on a building site? And why is he afraid? Why do some people help him? Some people turn away in disgust. Why can't he stick with his own sword? Which is available on HBO Max. Um, and this one, he is a lawyer who is homosexual who then is being blackmailed by somebody mm-hmm. that is going to expose him as a homosexual. And this person is going around and um, blackmailing other homosexuals in mm-hmm. the community. And so he decides to take a stand and and risk a lot to um, say this is wrong and come out himself as um, homosexual in the movie. So mm-hmm. it's a really well done uh, way, way, way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is just a really, and a really great performance by him. Um in this movie, so I recommend that. And then, if you want something more difficult, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, I know where you're going with this. Uh, we have 1974's *The Night Porter*, uh, which has Bogard as a—he um, was a former SS officer who is now working as a night porter at a hotel in Vienna, and. Uh, a woman played by Charlotte Rampling, Rampling comes to his hotel and you begin to understand that she was in a concentration camp that he worked for and they had um, a very complicated <laughs> sexual relationship. <laughs> and uh, upon seeing each other, they kind of fall into that relationship again. So mm. this one's... Um, like I said, it's a it's a difficult watch, but um, it is worth worth seeing if you want to challenge yourself, and it's excellent performances by both of them. Mm.
1: And that so. Shelley got me this amazing Dirk
0: Bogard pin. What? Who's the. Oh, that is by uh, Kate Gabriel, okay. who is an artist who also, um, if you're a fan of the Pure Cinema podcast series, uh, she also did a great line of stuff for those guys as oh, well. And awesome. she, yeah, kategabriel.com. She has some amazing stuff and very much appreciates um old hollywood Mm, and so a lot of her stuff um is kind of themed about Mm -hmm. old hollywood so i i love her stuff awesome
1: oh that's so great yeah i love to have some love for dirk he's really um and was an amazing actor and Mm -hmm. um yeah i really i think we showcased two really unique films so yeah
0: yeah. And just, again, appreciating sort of the, it, it very much seems as you look at his career and as I was looking through some of the stuff he's done, he definitely um, chose, it, it seems like he chose exactly what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be anything in there that he was like just doing it for the paycheck that right. he uh, he really believed in the projects he worked on and wanted to challenge himself and do those things as an actor. So I can appreciate that. For sure.
1: Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Cine Sirens. And we'll be back next time to talk
0: about Molly and Lawless John from 1972. Sam Elliott. Let's talk about some Sam Elliott. I never try anything. I just do it. Like I don't beat clocks. Just people. He's the so cocky! Men's death. No, means. Stand up my spinning wheel, girls. I'll join the heron section in a minute. What do you mean by that, mate? It's always from New Zealand, and you never, I repeat, never, call a kiwi-nazi.
1: Aussie. is, unless you want to ask it. Bastard! Bastard! Where is my mother? Are you crazy? Where is she? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? God, Sam. I feel like a crime is about to be committed.
0: This is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher.